We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the only piece on Hilchus Tumas Tzara'as. This is Perak Tes Zayin Halacha Ches. And this piece concerns the halachas of someone who enters a house with Tzara'as. So the Torah said that they also become Tameh, not only the person, but also the clothing that are on them. So Rab Chaim is going to analyze why the clothing that are on the person become Tameh. Is it through the person's Tuma it transfers to the clothing? Or do the clothing have an independent Tuma, but in some details it depends on the status of the person. The Rambam writes, If someone was standing in a Tzara'as house and they stuck their hand outside and there were rings on their hand, If he waited in the Tzara'as house the minimum measurement of time to eat a pras, so that's the minimum measurement to become tummy. So then the rings on his hands are also Tameh, even though they were outside of the house. And likewise, the other way, someone was standing outside and they stuck their hand with rings on it into the Tzara'as house. So again, if they waited the minimum measurement of time, the rings become Tameh, even though the person themselves is not Tameh because they're standing outside the house, but the rings are Tameh. So that's the Rambam's ruling, that in both cases, whether they're outside or inside the house, if they waited the minimum measurement of time, so the rings become Tameh. Now this halacha comes from the Mishnah Negaim Yud Gimel Yud Someone was standing in a Tzara's house and they stuck their hand outside with rings on it. If he waited the minimum measurement of time, so the rings are Tameh. And the other way, if he was standing outside and stuck his hand in inside the Tzara's house with rings on it. So this is actually a debate. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says the rings become Tameh immediately in that case. Whereas the Chachamim hold that they don't become Tameh unless they wait inside the Tzara's house the minimum measurement of time. So the Rambam rules like the Chachamim that in both cases, whether he's outside or inside the house, either way the rings don't become Tameh until he waits the minimum measurement of time. Now Rabbi Chaim asks that there seems to be an inconsistency in this halacha. Because in the first case where the person is standing inside the house and their hand is outside, so the basic idea of that halacha is that the hand, which is just a small percentage of their body, follows the majority of the body. So since the majority was inside the house, we consider it as if the hand was as well. So that's why the rings on it become tame. So the principle seems to be that a small part of the body follows the majority of the body. So if so, in the second case, where the person is standing outside the house and their hand is in the house, so why don't we apply the same principle that the hand follows the rest of the body and it's as if it's outside the house, so the rings should be tahar. So why are the rings tameh in that case if the majority of the body was outside the house? Now, ironically, even though Rabbi Yehuda is more stringent in that case, he's more consistent because the basis for Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is that the reason the rings become Tameh is not because they were on the person, but because a vessel that's inside the house becomes Tameh. So since the ring is a vessel that entered the house, it becomes Tameh immediately because when it comes to vessels, there's no minimum measurement of time. So that's why according to Rabbi Yehuda, even though the person is considered totally outside the house, but the ring as an independent vessel is considered inside the house, so it becomes Tameh immediately. But the Chachamim who hold 
that the ring is following the status of the person. That's why there's a minimum measurement of waiting time. So why does this ring become tame at all? Since the person is standing outside the house, the ring should follow their status and be tahor because as we saw, the hand follows the rest of the body. So there seems to be an inconsistency in the view of the Chachamim, which is the way that the Rambam ruled. So Rab Chaim answers, the Gemara in Shavuos Yedzayin Amud Beis quotes Rabbi Yoshaya, HaNichnas Labayis HaMenuga Derech HaChora Vafilu Kulo Chutz Mechotamo Tahor. If someone enters a Tzara's house backwards, even if they're entirely inside except for their nose, so 99% of them is inside the house, they're still Tahor. Because when the Torah describes this Tuma, it says when someone enters the house. So it has to be a proper entry. But walking in backwards is an improper entry. So if the person would be totally inside the house, even an improper entry, they would be tame. Or also if there was a proper entry, so they walked in frontwards, even when just the majority goes in, they already become tame. But with an improper entry, if they're not 100% inside, then they're tahor. Now, Rab Chaim argues that this leniency should only apply to the person themselves, but it should not apply to vessels that come in with them, like, let's say, their clothes. So the person's clothes should be tame, even though the person came in backwards and they're not 100% in, for two reasons. First of all, because the whole concept of a proper or an improper entry seems irrelevant when it comes to the clothes. Those are only categories that have to do with the person who walks into the house. So then it makes a difference whether the person came in properly or not because the Torah says derech bia, that there has to be a proper entry. But when it comes to the clothes, they don't walk in either way. They just get into the house. So it seems irrelevant whether they came in with a proper entry or an improper entry. Either way, once they're in the house, they should become tummy. Second of all, the clothes are entirely in the house. So even though the person's nose is not in the house, but the clothes, the vessels are 100% in the house. So even if they came in improperly, but if they're 100% in, they should be tummy. So for these two reasons, it seems that when the Gemara says the person is tahor, it means the person, but not the clothes that came in with them. The problem, though, is that when the Rambam records this halacha in this chapter, he only says that the person is tahor, but he fails to mention this detail that the clothes or the vessels that come in with them would be tame. So this is an omission in the Rambam. As Rab Chaim just argued, the whole leniency should only apply to the person, not to the clothes. So why does the Rambam fail to mention this detail that in this case of an improper entry where the person's not totally in there, even though the person is tahor, but the clothes are tameh. And even more than that, it's not just an omission in the Rambam. Rab Chaim says that he later saw that Tosvos and Shvuas explicitly says that the vessels are not tameh. So Tosvos says very clearly that just like the person is tahor, the clothing they're wearing is also tahor. And that goes against the whole logic that Rab Chaim just presented. So why why does Tosfos say, and the Rambam's omission implies as well, that since the person is Tahor, the clothes are also Tahor, when there doesn't seem to be a reason for the clothes to be Tahor, first of all, improper entry is irrelevant when it comes to the clothes. They don't walk in anyways. They just get in the house. So since they're in the house, they should be Tameh. And also the clothes are 100% in the house, so they should be Tameh.
So Rab Chaim attempts the obvious answer, which is that the vessels follow the person. So only when the person becomes Tameh do the vessels become Tameh. But if the person remains Tahor, so then the halacha is always going to be that the vessels can't become Tameh, even if logically they should be. So that seems like an obvious solution. But Rab Chaim says that's not going to work because the Mishnah that we just saw contradicts that. The case where the person is standing outside the house and they put their hand in the Saras house. So the rings become Tameh even though the person themselves is not Tameh because a majority of them was outside the house. So we see very clearly from that halacha that there are cases where even though the person is Tahor, the vessels on them could still become Tameh. So the same should be true in this case. Even though the person is Tahor because they came in backwards and they're not 100% in, but the vessels, the clothing they're wearing should still be Tameh. So this Mishnah that we begin with disproves the theory that only when the person's Tameh, the clothing on them can become Tameh. So instead, Rab Chaim suggests another solution. And that is that we have to say that the reason the clothes of a person that goes into Tzara's house are Tameh is not because the Tumah transfers from the person to the clothes. So the way this works is not that since the person becomes Tameh in the Tzara's house, so the clothing that's on them is Tameh as well. And again, this idea is disproved proved from the Mishnah that we began with where the person is standing outside and sticks their hand into the Tsaras house. So there, even though the person is Tahor, the rings on their hand becomes Tameh. So that again proves that the reason the vessels are Tameh is not because the person becomes Tameh, because there are cases, even though the person is Tahor, the vessels are still Tameh. So instead, the way this works, says Rab Chaim, is that the vessels become Tameh through the person's entry. So there's an independent halacha that any vessels that go into the Tsaras house are also going to be Tameh. But what's defined as being in the Tsaras house depends on the status of the person entering. As Rab Chaim says, The vessels depend on the person only for the status of entering the house. Because through the person waiting around in the Tsaras house, waiting the minimum measurement of time, so it's considered as if the vessels also came into the Tsaras house. But the Tumah itself that they get comes directly to the vessels themselves. It doesn't come through the person to the clothing. It goes directly from the house to the clothing. So basically there's two components to this halacha. One is that a person who goes into Tzara's house becomes Tameh from the house. The second is that the clothing on them are also Tameh from the house. And those are both independent transfers of Tumah. The clothing don't get it from the person, they get it from the house. But the clothing do depend on the person because what's considered the clothing having entered the Tzara's house, that depends on being on a person who gets the status of having entered the Tsaras house. So now this conceptual understanding is going to make sense of the question Rab Chaim asked on Tosvos and the Rambam, why when a person enters the Tsaras house backwards do the clothing not become Tameh? So the answer is Tosvos and Shvuas asks another question. The Gemara says that if someone enters the house backwards so with an improper entry if they're 100% fully in there, so then they do become Tameh even though there was no entry. 
entry because it's no worse than the vessels in the house that even though there was no entry, they become tame. So basically, there's two tracks to become tame, either a proper entry of a majority or being fully in the house, even with an improper entry. In both of those cases, there's tuma. So Tosvos asks, based on that, why should there be a difference between a proper entry and an improper entry? Even when it comes to a proper entry, there is no halacha that a majority entry creates tuma. It has to be a full entry. The person has to be fully in the house in order for there to be tuma. The only reason someone that walks in frontward becomes tame even through a majority entering is because of the halachic rule of rubo kekulo. In halacha, we consider a majority like the whole thing. So once a majority of a person enters frontward, it's as if they're fully in the house. So based on that, they become tame. So why don't we apply the same rule to an improper entry? If a majority of the person enters backwards, so that's also rubo kekulo. It's as if they're fully inside the house. So even though there was an improper entry, it shouldn't make a difference. Because as we said, once someone's fully in the house, they become tame anyways, no matter how they got in there. So once a majority of the person enters backwards, they should be tame based on the rule of rubo kekulo. So that's Tosas's question. Says Rab Chaim, there's a conceptual difference between a frontward proper entry versus a backward improper entry. And that is when someone walks into a house in a normal way, even though they're not fully in there, but every bit that they walk in is considered part of the entry. So they've entered a little more, they've entered a little more. Each of those percentages adds up. So as soon as they hit a majority, a majority of them has entered. So Rubo Kikulo kicks in and it's as if they entirely entered the house. So that's the way it works when it comes to a proper entry. But when it comes to an improper entry, we don't add up the small steps. We're not going to say that there was a little more entering, a little more entering, because this was an improper entry. So none of it counts until they're fully in there. So that's the key difference between a proper and an improper entry. In both cases, the person needs to fully enter for there to be tuma. But a proper entry means that even little entries are considered a valid form of entry. So they add up to create a majority of entering. In improper entry, though, each little step in does not add up because it's not considered on its own anything valid. So there is no improper majority entry. That concept can't exist. So until the person fully enters improperly, they're not tame. So the rule of rubo kikulo only kicks in when each small step on its own is considered a valid form. So then it adds up to a majority and that kicks in rubo kikulo. But if each small step on its own is meaningless, so then they don't add in, and it doesn't kick in rubo kikulo until it's fully done. So that explains the difference between a proper entry and an improper entry. The key distinction is that even a small part of a proper entry is still considered a valid form of entry, but a small step of an improper entry is meaningless. It's not considered an entry at all. So now based on that, says Rab Chaim, we could answer the question why when the person walks 
in backwards, the clothing are not tame. Why is that different than the case of the Mishnah where the person stuck their hand into the house and the rings do become tame, even though the person themselves hasn't entered the house, so the person is tahor, yet the rings are still tame. So what's the difference between these two cases? So now the answer is because when someone walks in backwards, it's an improper entry. So every small step is meaningless. There was no entry at all. So even though the clothes are now in the house, but they didn't get in there through an entry. Now, when the Torah said that the clothes are also tame, it means specifically when they came in through the person. So a person entered the house and they brought in the clothes, then they become tame. But if the clothes didn't come in with the person's entry, so then they don't become tame. So in this case where the person came in backwards, as we said, it's not considered an entry until they're fully inside. So since their nose didn't come in, they're only 99% in Inside, the clothes did not have a valid entry, so therefore they're tahar. So that explains Tosus's comment that someone who walks in backwards, only 99% in, the clothes are still tahar. But that's different than the case of the Mishnah where he stuck his hand in the house because that is a proper entry. There's nothing wrong with the entry. So the rings that are on his hand are considered to have entered the house through a person, so therefore they become tameh. Even though the person themselves is tahar, because the reason the person is tahor is not that it was an invalid entry, it's just that only a minority of them entered. So the person themselves is not going to become tameh, but the hand that went in still had a valid entry. So the rings on that person came into the tsaras house through the valid entry of a person, so therefore they become tameh. So the key factor, according to Rab Chaim, in making the clothing tameh is not that the person wearing them becomes tameh, it's that the person enters the house with a proper entry and then the clothing become tameh even if the person does not directly from the tsaras house. So now having explained all this, Rab Chaim comes back to the original question that there seems to be an inconsistency in these halachas whether the hand follows the rest of the body. Says Rab Chaim, this is going to answer that question as well. In the case where the person is standing in the house, so of course the rings become tameh because the hand follows the rest of the body. But in the second case, where the person is standing outside the house, so even though the hand follows the body, so that's why the person is tahor, but the rings become tameh because they came into the house through a valid entry. So even though the person wearing them is not considered to have entered the house, because the majority of them is outside, and their hand follows the rest of the body, but that's not necessary to make the rings tameh. All that's necessary is that they come in through the valid entry of a person, which happened in this case. So that's why the rings become Tameh. So once we understand the conceptual underpinnings of this halacha, we see that there is no inconsistency. Now in the last few lines, Rab Chaim suggests another approach to resolve this question, which is much simpler and doesn't need all this fancy conceptual framework. So Rab Chaim says, the Mishnah says, Talis tahora shehichnis mimena gimel al gimel nit. 
mace. If someone brings in a piece of cloth, which is three by three, so that's the minimum measurement for cloth to become tamay. So they bring that into a house of tsaras, it becomes tamay. Now, even though this piece is part of a much larger piece of cloth, and most of it did not come into the house of tsaras, but the piece that they brought in becomes tamay because since they brought in a full measurement of what could become tamay, so even though it's connected to a much larger piece of cloth, so it's only a minority of that larger piece, it still becomes tame. Now, with regards to other vessels, the Tosefta in Kalim chapter 7 says that the entire vessel has to come in. So let's say there was a barrel or a bike or something like that, the entire vessel would have to come in in order to become tame, not just the minority of it. So putting this Mishnah and Tosefta, these two halachas together, Rab Chaim says that we see there are two ways for a vessel to become Tameh in a Tzara'as house. One is the entire vessel comes in, and the second is that a measurement that's fit to become Tameh comes in. So that's why in the case of the talis, the cloth, even though the whole thing didn't come in, since a measurement that's fit for Tumah came in, it does become Tameh, as opposed to other vessels where there is no part of the vessel which becomes Tameh on its own, it's all or nothing. Either the whole vessel becomes Tameh or none of it becomes Tameh. So that's why there is no portion of the vessel which could go in and become Tameh until the entire vessel goes in. Now, when we say entire, as usual in halacha, it really means rubo kekulo. So if a majority of the vessel goes in, it becomes Tameh because it's as if the whole thing went in. So based on this, we see that there are two tracks for a vessel to become tame in a tsaras house. Either a majority of it enters, or if there's a portion of it that could become tame on its own, so if that section goes in, even if it's a minority, it also becomes tame. So based on this, says Rab Chaim, this is also going to explain the two halachas in the Mishnah. When the person is standing inside and their hand is outside, so the reason the ring is tame is because of rubo kekulo. Since a majority of the person is inside the house, so it's as if the hand and the ring are also inside because they're only a minority. So that's why the ring becomes tame. As we know, a vessel becomes tame through rubo kekulo. But in the second case of the Mishnah, where the person is standing outside and their hand is inside, the ring also becomes tame, even though there's no rubo kekulo, because since the ring on its own is a vessel that's fit to get tuma, so even though it's a minority, it still becomes tame because on its own, it still has a measurement to become tame, and that's another track to make vessels tame. So applying these two different tracks of how vessels become tame, either through a majority or if they have a measurement for tuma, is also going to explain the two halachas in the Mishnah that the Rambam recorded, that they're not inconsistent. Even though in the first halacha, we say that the hand follows the rest of the body, so that's why the ring is tame, because of rubo kekulo. But even so, in the second halacha, even though the hand also follows the body, so obviously we're not going to apply rubo kekulo, but there's a different reason why the rings become tame. Because like the talis, since they have a measurement to become tame, so even with the minority, they still become tame. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain these two rulings in the Rambam from the Mishnah, why they're not inconsistent. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops is that when the Torah says that a person who goes into a tzara's house is tame along with their clothing, it's not that the clothes become tame through the person, the clothes have their own 
own independent Tumah, but their entry has to be through a person entering the house. That's the way the Torah formulated this Tumah, that unless the clothes get the status of entering through a person's entry, they don't become Tameh. Now, Rav Shach in the Aviezri asks an interesting question on Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim answers Tosos' question, why don't we apply Rubo Kekulo to someone who enters backwards? So Rav Chaim says, because when someone enters frontwards, so each step is considered a minor entry, and we add them together to create a majority of entry, and then that kicks in Rubo Kekulo. But when someone is entering improperly, so each backward step does not have any status on its own, so we don't combine them together. There's no majority of improper entry, so that's why there's no rubo kekulo. So that was Rab Chaim's answer to Tosus's question. Rav Shach asks, though, the criteria for improper entry is different from a proper entry. Meaning these are two different tracks that the Torah created. One is that if a person enters a house of Tzara'as, they become Tameh. The other is that being in the house, even without an entry, is also Tameh. So they're two different criteria. So when a person enters backwards, even though it's true, as Rab Chaim said, that each little backward step does not have the status of a minor entry, so it doesn't add up to be a majority of entry, but each of those steps does does have a minor status of being more and more in the house. So every time the person steps backwards a little bit, they are getting more and more in the house, which is the criteria for Tumah of an improper entry. It has nothing to do with the entry. It has to do with being in the house. And each time the person goes further into the house, they are more and more fulfilling that criteria. So again, we should add up each little minor step backwards. Each one of them has a status of being more and more in this house. So once they join together and create a majority of being in the house, again, Rubo Kekulo should kick in. So Rav Shach questions Rab Chaim's answer to Tosvos because Rab Chaim seems to be applying the criteria of a normal entry to the case of an improper entry. But if we apply the internal criteria of the improper entry, which doesn't have to do with entering at all, it has to do with being in the house. So then we could apply the Rubo Kekulo rule because each step backwards is getting the person a little more in the house. Altogether, they create a majority and then that should kick in Rubo Kekulo. So that's Rav Shach's question. And as he himself notes, this also ties in with Rav Chaim's discussion in Hilchos Bias Mikdash, where he also quotes and analyzes the same Gemara and he quotes a comment of the Rimagash how to interpret it.